Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for Refresh and the D stands for Discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Dawn Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today we're talking about our favorite series starters. So um, Dawn, are you a series reader? I am. I love reading series where you get deep into the world and you get to know all the characters. And then I love that little like Easter egg kind of inside joke feeling when characters from another book pop up and you're like, oh, hi, it's good to see you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of series, but I can't do too many in a row. So I used to, when I was younger, I would find a series I liked and then would just like, you know, glom all of them and like read 10 books in a row of the same thing and want exactly the same thing again. So then I would read like another series that was very similar to it and do all of those in a row. And I found as I've gotten older, I have a little bit of, um, I don't know, just a harder time staying in the same genre for that long or the same author voice for that long. Cause then I start seeing the similarities, like, and they start feeling too familiar to each other. So I can usually do two or three, maybe in a row. Usually it's more like two. And then I will later come back to the other one or come, you know, uh, give a couple of months in between and then it's fresh again for me. But unless it's a trilogy or like a duet that has cliffhangers, if it's cliffhanger, I'm reading all the way through. Cause I have no patience, <laughs> you know, I need that. But, um, but I do like series because I do like feeling, you know, like I'm visiting people that I already know and, you know, been there before and know that I can expect a good read if the author is somebody I can trust. So I think most readers, I would say like series, I think it's more likely to like them than not. So most of even your casual readers will find one or two series that they really like and stick with. Um, but in case you are not familiar with the different types of series, we thought it might be helpful to kind of start off because series is an umbrella term, but there are lots of different types that fall under that. Um, and it's not always clear when you're picking up a book, what type it is. So you might be thinking you're getting into one thing and then you're signing up for cliffhangers or you're signing up for something, you know, that you didn't expect. So Dawn, the first type of series we're going to talk about is connected series. So what does that mean? If it's a connected series? That is where each book can stand alone. And so it's usually a group of friends or it's a family or it's a certain location. And so there's some kind of connection there that kind of anchors the series, but everything kind of sprouts off of that. And in um, most of those, you can skip around. Like you don't have to read the very first one. You could read book five and then go back and read book one and then read book three. And you still don't feel like you missed out really on anything. Yeah. And you'll see these a lot in romance. It's the type of series that I write. So if you pick up my, the ones who got away series or my loving on the edge series, let's say anything, literally every series I've written um, has been this kind of series because I really don't want to spend <laughs> six books with the same characters because I feel like I'll have to put in fake conflict because by the time like, God, why aren't they together yet? So I like having a new couple um, or a new triad if it's in my erotic romance each book but still being able to visit those other characters or have them show up and you might get mild spoilers you'll see who's who like who's with who if you're reading book five you're going to see that the couple in book one is together and the couple in book three is together but if you don't mind that 
you can kind of jump around and see like, oh, I really like the idea of this one um, better, you know, the trope in this one better. And I'm going to start here and it's fine. So I get this question a lot from readers when they're just kind of discovering me as an author of like, well, can I, where do I start? Do I have to start with the first one or, you know, and for me, I tend to like to read in order, even if it's a connected series, but I tell people just pick the one you like. Some of my series lend themselves more to that than the others. The ones who got away, I really would say, try to read them in order because they, I would agree with that. Yeah. They build on each other because you get more of the backstory of the school shooting that they all went through in high school in the first book, but it's technically a connected series because it's different couples in each one. And if you stepped in, you wouldn't be completely lost um, going into book three, if you haven't read book one, but I would say with your ones that got away series, I would suggest reading them in order just because those emotions build on each other so much and you get to know those characters so deeply that by the time you get to the fourth one in the best way possible, it just rips your heart out. <laughs> it just like squishes it around a little bit, stomps on it a couple of times and hands it back to you. Um, so in a, in a good way, it's a good way. You should totally read the series. But I think reading those in order is more important than like your Loving on the Edge series, which I am a huge fan of, Mm -hmm. that the emotional connections don't build as strongly in that one. Yeah, those I think truly each one is so tightly focused on the couple or the triad in that particular book that their cameo appearances by previous um, characters, but it's really, it is a tightly focused story on this one love story. So yeah, you can jump around. I say that. And then I'd be like, caveat, I would say, if you're going to read Milton to you, which is book two of the loving on the edge series, you really get to know Jace in book one and crash into you. So it would just enrich his character. Um, you can jump in either way, but it does give you some extra um, background on that particular character who ends up being one of the heroes in book and Milton to you. So you want to know as much about Jace as possible. Trust me on this one. <laughs> He's still one of my favorite characters I've ever written. Like that, that book for me was a special book. So, I mean, all of them are special. It's like children. All of them are special. We love all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but not equally. We do love some more than others. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, well, and I wanted to point out, you mentioned the disadvantage of you might know which couples are together. In romance series, that's true. We all know that my heart lends towards the thrillers and mysteries and I'm going to talk about the in-depth series here in a little bit in those kind of series you're more likely to have a different kind of spoiler of you might find out how the crime was solved or there might be a, a criminal or a villain from a previous book who shows up and you don't understand the importance of that if you're reading them out of order or um, particularly in the in-death series, there's other storylines going on that go throughout the entire series that aren't wrapped up in each book and you get jumped ahead in that. Right. So that's just a couple of things to keep in mind when you're looking at these um, connected series. Yeah, because connected series sometimes have an overarching series arc, which yes. means an arc of a story that goes across the whole series. I tend not to write the series arc um, the ones who got away is probably my closest to having a series arc, but in, I can't keep that much in my head. Cause I don't know what I'm going to write next. I'm a pantser. So to plan four <laughs> books ahead and know what that arc would look like that, that would just give my brain a cramp. Um, but there's also something called a continuing series. So this is a series that follows the same characters throughout. So these usually need to be read in order. Um, there are exceptions to everything, but 
In contemporary romance, like in my genre, these are usually limited to duets or trilogies, which we'll go into a little bit more in depth um, later, but other sub subgenres of romance, particularly paranormal and urban fantasy um, and suspense can be long running continuing series where you're following the same vampire hunter or you're following the same detectives or couples or something. So each book might be um, a different story or a different, you know, whatever, but it's the same characters that are the main characters. Yes, and some good examples of this would be like the Wheel of Time series, which is very popular right now because of the episodes on Netflix, or I'm sorry, on Amazon Prime that we don't want to talk about. So the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan or the Black Company series by Glenn Cook, if you're following the same group of people throughout multiple, multiple books and that can be good and bad. And that's also kind of how like Harry Potter was too. Mm -hmm. And the good part of that is you really settle into this world and you really settle into these characters. And the bad part of that is when one of them dies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's no good. And really, if you, if you want to imagine a continuing series, just think of it like a TV series, like sitcoms where it's episodic, you know, you're following the same people. It's kind of, you can jump in wherever, but it's same same characters, but like fantasy series or the walking dead or something like that. You have to have watched them in all in order. You're following the same people, but it's a big, big, long story. Arc. Right. Um, Cause everything builds on each other. Yes. And in fantasy, you're going to see that I would assume I don't read a lot of fantasy, but most of the time fantasy is a continuing series. Um, yes. Versus connected. So in Dawn, Mr. Mystery and suspense can do this too, right? Right. And I'm going to talk about two different series that kind of mix and match this. Because like Stephanie Plum um, series by Janet Ivanovich, which since we're talking about series starters, the first book in that series is one for the money. And then they all have numbers in them. And so it, and I think she's up to like 27 now <laughs> or something, but that series has the same main character in that it's Stephanie Plum and she is a very amateur bounty hunter. And each book involves a different capture that she's trying to make. Mm -hmm. where the serious part of it keeps going is the capture gets wrapped up usually. And, um, and these are humorous books. These are not serious thriller type. These are really like, she tries to capture a guy who's covered in Vaseline one time. It is <laughs> quite entertaining. Um, but then her family and friends, and then there's two guys that she's involved with. There's uh, the love triangle that's going on that continues throughout all, I've read up to, I think, book 18 at this point, and that continues throughout all of them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a mismatch of these two. Right. Um, and then you have the In Death series by J.D. Robb, which if, in case there's somebody who does not know, J.D. <laughs> Robb is actually Nora Roberts <laughs> mm -hmm. because Nora Roberts is amazing. Um, and the first book in that series is um, Naked in Death. And it is about Eve Dallas, who is a New York cop in the year 2050. And every book involves another murder that she needs to solve. But then there's all of these amazing other storylines that you want to talk about keeping something straight. I don't know how many books are in that series, and I have no idea how she keeps it straight. But there's her love interest has this huge backstory that you get all that kind of information about. And then she has her own mysterious backstory and there's all these wonderful side characters. So these kind of myths and match the whole, they're connected kind of, and they're continuing kind of, so they're a blend. Right. Right. And 
I have um, my example is Outlander because a lot of people are very familiar with Outlander. So it's fantasy and history and time travel kind of all mixed up together. Um, but you're following Jamie and Claire through the whole series and they're going throughout time. So each book is usually in a different era of time, um, but you're following that couple um, through their love story, through the whole series. I have not read the whole series, but um, I have read book one. So it's uh, worth a read and Dawn still hasn't read it. <laughs> Where I shamefully with my head down have to admit I have not read or seen Outlander. You should at least watch it. I don't know if, cause you don't like long books. You don't tend to read really long books and it's a really long <laughs> book, um, <laughs> but you like big burly dudes on TV and oh, well, Jamie, absolutely. Is, <laughs> Jamie is beautiful. <laughs> so, you know, and it's got a fantasy element that your husband can watch. My husband watches it with me and he really likes it. So, and he's not one to, you know, be into romance uh, stories and all that stuff. So it's, it's got enough of the history and the, action and you know violence <laughs> to keep everybody interested um what else yes. could you ask for right right so it is a continuing series though and then under the continuing series kind of that little thing we talked about with duets and trilogies you see these um duets particularly i see in more in romance trilogies you see yes. across all kinds of genres um, but this is a type of continuing series that leans heavily on the cliffhanger structure so you need to read the whole thing in order to get the whole story, um, or you're going to feel left out. So um, there are many, many examples of this, but YA fantasy for sure is big into the trilogy. Um, dark romance for some reason is big into the duets. And I will have yes. an example of that later. Um, but yeah, so these, you ha- you go in knowing, okay, I'm committing to two or three books because otherwise you're not going to get the rest of the story. So Well, and I think what we need to make clear here is that with a true trilogy or a true duet, you would be completely lost as a reader if you do not pick up that first book, which is why we're talking about series starters today. Um, Because in the connected type series, usually there's a moment that kind of catches you up. Mm -hmm. Like in the Stephanie Plum series um, with Janet Ivanovich, there's always a moment where she's like, my name's Stephanie Plum. I'm a bounty hunter. And it gives you a quick little, and sometimes it's just like two paragraphs, but it gives you a quick little, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. All right, let's move on with the story. Um, with a true trilogy or a true duet, they don't mess around with that. Mm-hmm. And um, I have, one of my clients has a, a fabulous duet, but it ended with this building being on fire. The first book ends with the building being on fire. And the second book picks up at that fire. Right. And so if you picked up the book, you would have no idea what's on fire, who these people are, any of that. And so there is, and that is why often you will see it listed directly in the description. Right. This is book one. You do need book two. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to go pick up the second book of the Hunger Games trilogy and start there. Right. And miss the, like you, (laughs) you would know what was going on. Um, And then another thing that's, I don't know if it's new, but it's new to me. I feel like I've seen these more often than in the past um, are shared world series. So this is where it's multiple authors, but they're all writing in the same universe, quote unquote, um, with the same rules and the same towns or whatever it is. Um, so this is pretty popular, I think, in romance. Don, you had some. Yes, I'm, I'm seeing this a lot with some of my clients. 
And there's a whole, if you're interested in the writing side of it, there's this whole process The authors usually apply or they request to get to use the characters from that world. And these can be a lot of fun because it's character, the characters and settings are used to varying degrees. And so it's kind of interesting to see some of your favorite characters in another author's hands, right. like with a different, we talk a lot about author voice and it's a little bit different voice mm-hmm. or to see some of your favorite authors in a completely different world mm-hmm. and having to, you know, maybe they usually write something kind of dark and now they're having to lighten it up a little bit. And so I think they're a lot of fun. Um, some examples of uh these that I know are really popular right now. Um, there's a series called The Enchanted in, The Enchanted Rock Immortals. And this is a fantasy series. It usually involves shifters or demons or vampires or human paranormals. And it's all based around Enchanted Rock, which is a real place in Texas. Um, I don't quite think there's a supernatural hub going on there, but I mean, who knows? <laughs> you never know. Um, but it's a group of five authors and each author is responsible for a different clan within that world. Mm-hmm. And so this particular author, her books are about the shifters and this particular author, her books are about the um, uh, human paranormals. And so you get this in their characters interchange, like the shifter will come up and talk to a human paranormal. So you get the whole feeling of the interaction between the characters and getting to see these characters that you know, then you get the, this is a, you're in this place that you know, and you already know the rules and you know how it works. And you're going to laugh at me, (laughs) but as we're sitting here and you're talking about this, I'm like, uh, holy crap. Yeah. I wrote one of these once upon a time and completely forgot that I wrote in a shared world. (laughs) So I do have a book, you guys called blurry in the lines. (laughs) That was in the Invitation to Eden series. It's book 14 of that series. Um, And, you know, could I tell you what this book is about? Not even a little bit. (laughs) I could not That was a long time ago. That's been several years ago. It is 2014. So, yes. That's been a long time ago. It's been a long time. But if somebody out there happens to be a super fan of mine and is looking (laughs) for some nugget out there that you didn't know existed, if there is a shared world that I have written... um, because I got invited into it by some authors that I knew and I was like, okay, I'll try it. And it was fun. Um, but yeah, I completely, <laughs> I think it's, it's probably my worst selling book, which is because nobody knows it's out there. Cause I don't even know what's out there. <laughs> and so it, say the name again. So it's blurred, blurring the it's lines, blurring the lines. Um, and it's in the invitation to Eden series and you can jump in everywhere, anywhere. You don't have to read them in order. Cause I think I, my book falls at number 14. And it doesn't matter. It, each story is different. It just happens in the same world. So there you go. <laughs> Authors don't remember anything. <laughs> it's, she's got that new puppy, guys. It's keeping her up at night. She doesn't uh, remember things. I don't. So, well, and that's similar to the two other examples I was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, one is Serena Bowen's um, True North series. I know that she has opened up her world because that's what have to, has to happen is the author has to open up their world. You can't mm-hmm. just randomly decide you want to start writing and using these other people's characters. That's called fan that. fiction. <laughs> that's fan <Right>? fiction. Yeah. <laughs> and if you start selling it, making money mm-hmm. off of it, they're generally not pleased. Um, but I know Serena uh, has opened up her True North series and hers are based kind of around the places. And so 
it has, there's the Busy Bean, which is the coffee place. And then there's the Speakeasy, which is basically a bar. And so the um, stories are built off of that. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of that is um, the Cocky Hero Club, which I just think is hilarious, um, which is by Keelan and Penelope Ward's world. And it was started with their book, Cocky Bastard. And it's just expanded mm-hmm. off of that. And that one, I don't know how many books are in it. It has tons of different authors and tons of different books and tons of different tropes. And you can find all of it in there. Yeah, see, I think it might be the only child. I mean, the thought of opening up my worlds to other people and letting them play with my characters. I'm like, no, mine, all mine. No, <laughs> you can't play with my toys. You so, don't get to come to my sandbox. Go you don't get there. to write Jace. You don't get to know they're mine. Um, yeah, I, I have only child moments. I think that's one of them. But so we wanted to talk, we've talked about the types of series, but why read series? Like what is the um, benefit? What's great about them? Why are we drawn to them? And Dawn, what's your favorite part of reading series? Well, I think like I mentioned before, I like feeling like I'm a part of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think- Don't make me start the- singing Aladdin. <laughs> No one wants that. <laughs> okay. I'm totally going to pause and let her make her start singing Aladdin now. No, that no was one a wants challenge. That. We'll lose all of our, our many, many listeners. <laughs> they will all be gone. So I like being a part of the world. I think that's actually uh, the little mermaid. Oh, you're right. Because Aladdin's a whole yes, new world. You're right. Part of your world is yes. Look at this and stuff. Part of Isn't your... it neat? Yeah. Yes. That is the little mermaid. Um, we are distractible today. I know. <laughs> it's the puppy thing. I have the ADD of like, oh, squirrel, what? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I like being a part of that world. And a lot of times with that comes a community. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one time back when I was reading all of the Janet Ivanovich series, and this is a total me thing to do. Y'all, Ronnie never would have done this. <laughs> I was sitting in a parking lot in Lowe's. And my husband had gone inside and I was sitting in the parking lot because my kids were still asleep in the back seat. And this car, two cars pulled up next to us and two women got out. And one woman literally opens her trunk and starts handing this other woman books, which I'm like, hey, if you're doing some kind of shady deal in Lowe's, (laughs) books is the way to go. And she starts handing her books and she's like, okay, so here's six and seven and eight. And she's like, but you have to read five before you read six because it's gonna, and I literally opened my door and I was like, oh my God, are y'all exchanging Stephanie Plum books? (laughs) And this lady's like, yes, have you read them? And I'm like, yes. And so my husband comes out, I am standing in the parking lot talking to total strangers about this book series. And he's like, so a woman pulled up and started getting stuff out of her trunk and you thought you should talk to her. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, why not? (laughs) So I think that community also Mm -hmm. is a good thing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think that's why, especially teenagers love series because fandoms, yes, the fandom thing is strong. And even I, like when I first read Twilight, I mean, I was not a teenager then I was, you know, younger (laughs) than I am now. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. Um, But I certainly went online and saw like Twilight fan fiction and, you know, saw what people were saying about it. And yeah, so you feel part of something it's kind of like when we liked boy bands when we were teenagers or you know preteens and it's like everybody loves them together and it just has this this nice feel to it but also what I like about reading series is because I am not talking to people in Lowe's parking lot with random books (laughs) (laughs) is y'all know I'm a character junkie so like I love 
really, really in-depth characterization. And with series, the author gets so much more time to develop the characters, even if it's a connected series where it's new people, you know, getting love stories or something like you still see the previous characters um, kind of growing and changing, or, you know, you get to see how they've progressed after they found love. And um, so think about, like you mentioned, Harry Potter earlier, how in-depth those characters get from book one to book seven, you get to see them grow up. You get to see them face all this strife and it like deepens every time you get into a book, it deepens. So I love that when you finish a really great series, you feel like you're part of their family or that, you know, them in person, you know, because they've become so real um, and so well, you know, painted on the page that you just feel like they, they have become a real person. So I love that feeling. Well, and then you have the, feeling of, I really like this thing. And oh, look, there's more of it. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know we already know about my affinity for the Omegaverse and the big blue aliens, but that's how, when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, look, there's a boundary lands book. I don't have, mm-hmm. I need that one. Or, oh, there's an ice planet book. I don't have, I need that one. And so it's that familiarity. Yes. And so I think we need to talk just real quick though, industry-wise, because we are in this we both work in this world. Yes. So there's this quandary, I guess. I don't know. Of when you talk about reading series and you talk about like our focus today is starting series. So we're we're going to be giving some um, recommendations for books that are going to suck you right into the series. When you have conversations with that, about that with people sometimes though, the reaction is, oh, I don't want to read a series until all the books in it are out. Yeah. And as an author, that is a kill shot, particularly if you're traditionally published. So if you're self-published, you can kind of do your own thing and still put them out. But like, if your book one doesn't sell well and you had, or you books one and two didn't sell enough and you had a two book deal, that publisher isn't giving you another book deal for it. So then the book, your series never gets finished. So I can tell you it happened to me with off the clock. I had a four book deal or a three book deal or something. And off the clock was the last one on the deal and not enough people bought off the clock as a new release. So I didn't get a contract for book two. So that series was going to be dead. I self-published by the hour um, to kind of, cause I already had the story. I wanted to tell his story and, but I had all these people emailing me of like, why don't we have a book two? And it was, it was out of my hands because not enough people had bought book one yet. Um, so I did put a book two for myself, but I didn't finish the series. Like it could have been a multi book series and I still get people asking for that, but I had to move on to something else that would sell better. And I mean, off the clock won a Rita award. So it was like well-reviewed and, you know, I got awards and all of that stuff. It was, you know, I hope well-written, um, but it just, people didn't necessarily buy it when it first came out. Um, maybe waiting to see there would be more books in the series, maybe, you know, and it, so if you love an author or you want a series to continue um, buying those books when they come out or checking them out from the library, because that yes. still counts, um, gets shows that there is interest in the series and will help it keep going. So buy it as you go. You can always save them. You don't have to read them. If you want to wait till all three are out, you can save the three as they come out. Um, but yeah, that is an important point to make from the behind the scenes of the business side of it. Well, in authors I work with who do duets and do trilogies, we usually write the whole set at the same Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Now, if you're talking about like a 15 book series, that's a whole different thing. Right. But 
when I have an author that comes to me, they're usually and says, I want to do a duet or I want to do a trilogy. We know exactly where that's going. Mm-hmm. And normally there's rapid release on those. So normally it's, they're going to be released once a month or sometimes they release them even like a week apart or something like that. So that's a little bit better, but it's still, if those first couple of books don't make it worth writing the next ones, then you're not going to, you're going to be left incomplete. So yeah. Cause even in indie publishing, they can still choose to write the next one, but if nobody bought it, they're going to spend their time writing something different because, Oh, this flopped. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend you know, three or four or five, six months of my life writing something that some, I guess people don't want. So, um, I will note too, the good thing about, um, a series and you were talking about before of, Oh, you could just see an Omega verse and you know, to buy it is decision fatigue is real. We've talked about decision fatigue before and picking the next book and series takes away decision fatigue. You know, you like the author, you know, you like the series and it's easy. It's an easy pick. Um, and I'm going to, one of my recommendations that I'm going to talk about that was my, like, I don't know what to read. I can always go to this series. Cause I know I'm going to get a guaranteed good read. Um, which leads us to Dawn is all excited. You guys, <laughs> she's going to be doing a lot of talking on this part. I have, I have recommendations too, but Dawn has all of the book recommendations, like all of them, <laughs> all of them, all yes. of them. So we will have all of these in the show notes for you. So just get ready to start scrolling through and, you know, clicking all those links. So um, because I, I do like series and I do, I'm familiar with tons of them and I like to recommend them because it's like, oh, like you were saying, I don't want people playing with my characters or my setting, but I'm like, oh, come, come sit in this sandbox for a while. We're going to play here. Oh no, no, no. Let's go over here now. Oh, you don't like that one? Well, I've got this one. So I have all the recommendations for you. So I'm starting off with something kind of fun. And that is the Mr. Match series by Delancey Stewart. And we are talking about series starters. And so this one, I think, has a a really fun series starter because the idea of the Mr. Match series is it is a professional soccer team. And one of the players on the professional professional soccer team secretly runs a like match.com type matchmaking service to where he has worked out math equals love in his mind Mm -hmm. and so he has worked out all the math and how this will give you the most perfect match and the you know we're going to find your soulmate and so because it's a soccer team all of the books start with scoring scoring Mm -hmm. something and it starts off with a novella called scoring a soulmate and it's basically this guy trying out his theory on his sister like his his sister is looking for somebody to date. He's like, hey, let me just, you know, let's see if this, because that's what you want, right? Is sure. let me, let me mess with your sister's love life. Um, so it starts off with the novella and I would consider that the series starter. The actual first book, full book in the series is called Scoring the Keeper's Sister. But these are snort, laugh, funny moments, rom-coms, hilarity ensues type series and I do not remember how many there are of them but there's several and that's where I'm going to start okay and my first one is one I've kind of alluded to before and is the one I was just talking about that I can go to and know I get a guarantee um so it's the Bridgertons um by Julia Quinn which pretty much everybody knows now because of the Bridgerton Netflix series but I've been reading these since 2015 is when I started And the Duke and I is the book one series starter. There are eight books in the series because there are eight siblings. Um, God bless her mother, (laughs) eight children um, who 
clearly get into lots of conflicts and things, but um, I read the first one in 2015 and I took my time working through this series. So this is one, like I told y'all, I don't read back to back to back and glom a lot. Um, so I knew that this was like the perfect comfort read. They're very light and, you know, it's historical romance. So you get all the pretty dresses and the, um, the dancing and the, we're going to say it again, the balls, you know, <laughs> every time I bring up historical romance or balls, um, and carriages and things, but the first one is a really great starter because sometimes great series kind of have to like clear their throat a little bit in book one, right? Like they're not quite there yet, but there's a lot of setup usually. Yeah. But this is a very strong, um, book one, and this is a connected series. So each sibling is a separate story. You can jump in wherever you might get a couple of little spoilers, but you can move around. Um, and the first one, Daphne is the heroine and she's well-liked. Everybody really enjoys being around her, but she's falling into that great as a friend, but not as a wife thing. So she, she needs a husband, um, because it's historical times and that's what women had to have. So she's feeling this pressure, um, from her family and, you know, everybody that she just needs to settle down. And then Simon, the Duke of Hastings has no plans to marry because he's had this really painful childhood. He had a terrible dad. He doesn't want to be part of society, but he's a Duke. And in historical romance, Dukes like rule that that's the top of the heap. You know, you have all these other things, but the Duke is the big one. Um, and so he has got all of the society pressure that, you know, all the mamas are bringing their kids to him. Like, look at my beautiful daughter. Look, 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 Maybe, have you met so-and-so? Um, so he's just feeling kind of overwhelmed and sort of thwart that um, he decides to enter a fake courtship with his best friend's sister, who is Daphne, the heroine. So she agrees because she thinks if she's like seen with the Duke, it'll raise her like status and other guys will want her um, because, wow, she's, you know, hanging out with the Duke and he just wants the mamas to leave him alone. Like, look, I'm already courting this one. I got my dance card is full. So of course we have that fake relationship trope that I love so much. Um, and it's just delightful. Those books are just delightful. So you can read all eight together or you can bounce around. I did not finish book eight until 2021. So 2015 to 2021, I took my time and savored them like, you know, chocolate cake. Like I need chocolate cake right now. I'm going to go pick up a Julia Quinn. So that's the Duke and I by Julia Quinn. And then you had another historical romance that you've okay. mentioned before. Sure. I'll um, put that one in there just if you didn't listen to the previous episode, but it's um, the Lisa Kleypas Wallflower series. The first book in that one is Secrets of a Summer Night. There is a prequel to it that you can read to. I can't remember the name. It might be, I can't remember if that's again, the magic or not, but anyway, there's a prequel if you want to read it. Um, but the first book technically is Secrets of a Summer Night. It is, I talked about in episode 10, it follows a group of four friends who are like the wallflowers at the ball and they decide to help each other find husbands. Um, in that series, there are four books and books two and three are my favorite. Um, but book one is actually really good too. So I do recommend reading these in order, um, especially books two and three, because even though it's different couples, there are storylines that do build, um, particularly from two to three. So read those in order, but that is Secrets of a Summer Night by Lisa Kleypas, and that's the Wallflower series. Well, and so my other recommendation for this, which again, these are connected, um, the Mr. Match series is connected. You can pick it up in the middle if you wanted to. Um, this is Big Chance Cowboy, and it is the Big Chance Dog Rescue series by Terry Ann Stanley. And basically what you need to know about this is it's soldiers and dogs and romance. I mean, really, do you need any need to know anything else? Um, but it is the story of Adam and Adam 
um, was a dog handler. He was in, in the military. He's a dog handler his, um, of one of the bomb sniffing dogs. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning, him and his um, men are on a mission and the dog doesn't alert on something like it normally would. And things go really, really bad. And so his men get hurt. He gets hurt. They lose uh, trigger warning. They do lose the dog at the very beginning. Dawn. And sorry. (laughs) You're recommending a dog, the dog dies book. Come on, man. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's, it's the opening is kind of hard on your heart, but this is a romance. And so the romance is he is back in his hometown. He is at his grandfather's ranch and his goal is to fix up his grandfather's ranch. He's going to sell it and give the money to his sister because his grandfather who raised him and his sister now has dementia. She's having to pay for his care. That is his plan. And then he's getting out of here. And then you have um, somebody who might have been a former love interest for him. Her name is Lizzie and she is coming back home. She's heartbroken. She's lost her job. She's got to check on her parents and she's at a gas station and a dog literally jumps into the back of her car. <laughs> like when she opens the door to get something out, this dog jumps in and um, she ends up naming the dog D-Day, which I think is kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. And she needs somebody to help her with this dog. Like this dog has been like, Hey, you're my human. I am now attached to you, but I'm kind of obnoxious. And so um, she ends up reconnecting with him, finding out he's back in town. Hey, I want you to help me train this dog. I don't want anything to do with dogs anymore. And so it's kind of a second chance and um, it's setting up. It brings in the other men that he served with. There are some other dogs that show up and it's just, like I said, it's, it's hot guys and puppies and romance and, it's a great series. Like you just have this nice warm fuzzy feeling when you're done with it. So it's a great way to start that series. And there's um, three books out in that one. I would like to mention that when you said the dog died, Leonard, my new puppy is in a kennel behind me and he whimpered in his sleep. So <laughs> I think he heard you. <laughs> so now you've traumatized the puppy too. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm not kidding about the whimper. He actually did, but I have a couple I'm going to move through really quickly because I've already talked about them in previous episodes, but they are series starters. Um, so long shot by Kennedy Ryan. Um, I talked about it in our favorite books of the year episode. This is an NBA basketball player and the heroine kind of circle around each other for years. Cause she's in a bad relationship with his rival. It's a very emotional contemporary romance, read the trigger warnings on it um, for domestic violence and things like that, but really, really well done. And it does start a series of other um, people in that MBA world. And then, um, I have a couple of kind of fantasy type ones. We have shadow and bone by Lee Bardugo. I talked about that in episode six. It's a YA fantasy. It's also a TV show now. So if you like kind of that good versus evil, you know, and there's supernatural stuff involved and there's this whole shadow fold thing, I'm not going to go deeply into it since I already talked about it, but it's a great start of a series. And that one has spinoff series. So it's like a trilogy And then they also spin off into other uh, duets and things for side characters. So there's lots to dive into if you want something long to get kind of lost in. And I did read those first three back to back to back because they they did build on each other in a trilogy. And then um, Halfway to the Grave by Janine Frost is the Night Huntress series. So that's book one is Halfway to the Grave. If you need your Buffy the Vampire Slayer scratch or itch scratched, this is where you can go. So if you, like me, (laughs) 
sometimes go back and watch Buffy episodes or you binge Buffy and you just want that kind of badass heroine and vampires and romance and all of that, that will get you there. I talked about it in depth in episode five. And if we're going to stay on vampires, because I do love a vampire, um, Vampire Academy by Rochelle Mead. This is a Y series. It was a big series um, back when it came out years ago. Um, and I will warn you on this one on the, the first book is called Vampire Academy and the whole series is called Vampire Academy, but I wasn't totally hooked on book one. So this sometimes happens in series. Like I said, the authors like kind of getting you used to the world and they're kind of clearing their own throat in a sense of learning their own characters. And so the first one I liked enough that I was like, I bought the second book, but I didn't immediately go to the second book. Um, and then once I did, I like raced through the whole series. I think it's seven books in the whole series. Um, so give it a chance. If you like book one enough, I would say go to the next one. If you like the style and stuff. Um, and I'm really excited because when I was researching for this episode, I saw that there's going to be a TV series for Vampire Academy on Peacock this year. And it's done by the same um, woman who did the Vampire Diaries. So I had a little fangirl squee. I was so excited because I really, they did a Vampire Academy movie a couple of years ago and it was fine. <laughs> but I really think a lot of times, like especially fantasy type series or YA series, they really need a TV show. They need more time. Um, you right. can't cover a seven book series in a two hour movie. You just can't. So the fact that it's going to be a series, it's got me very excited. They didn't have a release date, but I will be on it. You guys, I will be watching <laughs> and we'll let you know. So we will darn. hear about that. Well, I was going to mention for a YA series because I don't do a whole lot of YA series, but one of them that I have enjoyed is the Relic series by Claudia Blood. And the first book in that is Company Assassin. And um, I need to point out, because we do know about my obsession with blue aliens, this is a YA series. You could read it with your child. It's, there's, it would be very PG. Mm-hmm. So not like Ice Planet Barbarians. That's completely <laughs> different. But, um, and the reason I say that is because this takes place on a different planet. Mm-hmm. And they're not aliens. There are aliens who show up, but they are very much humans. And the main character is living in an orphanage on this other planet and he is turning 18. It starts on his 18th birthday. And the day you turn 18, you age out of the orphanage and that's it. Like we are done helping you. You got to go figure out what you're going to do. And there are families that like run like the farms nearby or they do mining or that kind of thing. And so if you can get a job with the family, then you're in And this book starts off with, it's his 18th birthday. He knows he has to be out of the um, orphanage by sundown that day. And he gets his rejection, his last rejection from a family. Mm. And so now his, uh, he's trying to figure out what he was going, he's going to do. And the orphanage gets attacked by demons and the demons are not the spiritual kind. Mm -hmm. These are like, big, creepy, semi-cat dragon looking things that want to eat you. And he ends up fighting those off. And through that process, he ends up getting hooked up with a team that is going into the jungle to look for relics. And relics are things from our time Mm -hmm. that are worth money in his world. And so he wants to save the orphanage. He wants to fix the thing, the damage that the demons caused, that kind of thing. And so he goes with this team and... It's very like Indiana Jones adventure type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
lots of fun. And there are uh, three or four books in the series that, but this is a continuing series. Like you, you would want to start with book one to know what's going on by the time you get to the last one. Okay. Yeah. And I have another way, um, fantasy series for you guys too. So this one's an older one. Um, and I, this was one I read like back to back to back. I was like super into it. Another TV show as well. Um, it's city of bones by Cassandra Clare. It's called the mortal instrument series. Some people think of it as the shadow hunter series, because that's, I think what the TV show was called the shadow hunters. So book one is I have the back cover copy just because I have a really hard time summarizing fantasy, like the back, you know, with all the things there's a lot going on yeah. normally. So I'm going to quickly give y'all the back cover, but um, when 15 year old Clary Frey heads out into pandemonium, the club in New York city, she hardly expects to witness a murder, much less a murder committed by three teenagers covered with strange tattoos and brandishing these bizarre weapons. Then the body disappears into thin air. It's hard to call the police when the murderers are invisible to everyone else. And when there is nothing, not even a smear of blood to show that a boy has died or was he a boy? So this is Clary's first meeting with the shadow hunters, warriors dedicated to ridding the earth of demons. It's also her first encounter with Jace, a shadow hunter who looks a little like an angel and acts a lot like a jerk. Within 24 hours, Clary is pulled into Jace's world with a vengeance when her mother disappears and Clary herself is attacked by a demon. But why would demons be interested in ordinary mundanes like Clary and her mother? And how did Clary suddenly get the sight? because she can see the shadow hunters the shadow hunters would like to know so this is you know a big overarching series you have to read them in order there's a lot of romance in it which for me on the fantasy series especially YA ones I want romance in it if it doesn't have some sort of romance or you know I love a love triangle I know some people hate love triangles I'm here for a love triangle if it's done well Um, but this one has a really satisfying romance it's got hot heroes it's got a really cool world with the shadow hunters. So I loved this one when I read it and I read them all in order and back to back. Um, and then I did watch the TV show as well. And I like the TV show. So have that one. And then one more vampire, which I've mentioned before is in everybody. I have a lots of ones with a TV show attached, but um, dead until dark by Charlene Harris. I talked about it in episode five. This is what the true blood um, series is based on. So super sexy vampires. It's in Louisiana where I'm originally from. Um, it's funny. So it also gets really dark. There's romance. There's, you know, the anti-hero sexy guy, there's the love triangle thing. So everything you could want, it's a long running series, um, that you can dive into and get lost in. So that's dead until dark by Charlene Harris. Well, and turning things a little darker, moving away from YA, cause this is definitely not YA. Definitely. No. And so my next recommendation is the A Sinful Empire trilogy by Eva Charles. So I am so so excited about this trilogy. And it is a true trilogy. If you pick up two, book two, you're going to be completely lost. But it is an um, organized crime type. And we know me and my mafia books. I am down for that. But this is set in Portugal. And it is everybody's battling for the, the wine, for the grapes. And it involves an arranged marriage and a hero who is super, super hot and does some really shady stuff, (laughs) but we still like him a lot. Um, This is one of those, like, just like when you download it onto your Kindle, steam's going to start coming out of your Kindle (laughs) because there is so, so much going on. Um, it, It definitely trigger warnings. Definitely, definitely feel free to hit me up on social media. I'll tell you what you need to know, but there it, it's a dark romance. 
Mm-hmm. And there's three of them. And so since it's the a Sinful Empire trilogy, the first one is greed, the middle one is lust, and the last one is envy. Nice. And I'm going to go super dark too. So this one might be even darker, than, darker than the mafia. I, I It's pretty dark. Don't shake your head, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> this one is Captive in the Dark by CJ Roberts. It's book one in the Dark Duet series. Seriously, all the trigger warnings, like really all of them dubious consent, very dark. Um, the story is about Caleb who escaped from sexual slavery after being sold into it as a young boy. And he's setting on getting vengeance on the person who was responsible the man who was responsible. But in order to get to him, he has to be on the inside of that business, quote unquote business, um, becoming what he hates, a sex slave trafficker. So he kidnaps the heroine Livy to train her to be what he once was. And so I'm warning you guys, this is dark erotica. This is not erotic romance. Um, This is not sexy, playful BDSM. um, And it's a duet. So there is a cliffhanger. The second book is called Seduced in the Dark. And it was also a five-star read for me. So I looked back on my Goodreads to see what I had said about it back in 2012 when I read this. So it's been 10 years, you guys, since I read it, but it stuck with me. Um, And this is what I said. I think this book gave me Stockholm Syndrome. Holy crap, even though I write BDSM, I'm usually wary of books that go to this dark of a place. Not that I have anything against those stories. I just usually have trouble connecting to the characters. But this was stunning in the way it made me sympathize with such an anti-hero and connect with the heroine. It's a mind F of a book and it was fantastic. Be warned, the story doesn't end with this book. So be prepared to get the next one to find out what happens. So yeah, it's one of those you feel disturbed after reading, but also like completely impressed that the author pulled it off and made you feel things, you know, for these really dark people and you know because they had such a horrible background and like what what led them to this and so all the warnings you guys but if you like a dark dark read um it was really well done so that is the dark duet by cj roberts and that brings us to our rad reading wreck of the week yes alliteration for the win Uh, (laughs) there's always a contest to see if we say that first on the same try And staying with the darkness, I have been waiting to recommend this book. It it wasn't out yet and it's finally out. And I'm so excited because it fit this um, topic because it's the beginning of a series. So this is the first book in the Obsidian Brotherhood series by Delaney Foster. And the title is Mischief Night. And like I said, I've been dying for this to come out because I want somebody to read it because we need to talk about it. And I haven't been able to talk about it. I will um, put my reading journal page up on our social media so y'all can see my feelings about it there. But when I first saw this and I saw the title as Mischief Night, I didn't have the advantage of seeing the cover. The cover is gorgeous, nice. You want to look at him for a while just for Mm -hmm. research purposes. Mm -hmm. But it shows you that this is going to be a dark read. I was just given the title and so I was expecting like a fun kind of, hey, let's go. No, no, this is like, this is like Pretty Little Liars meets something super dark and twisted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the story of Caspian and Tatum, who they have known each other their whole lives. They come from very, very wealthy families in the same community. And once a year, they have mischief night. And that is a night that basically the teenagers of these families are allowed to do whatever they want. And I feel like there's a horror movie with a mischief night. I feel like that exists. This, <laughs> this could lead into that. Um, so there's no rules for one night for these kids of these very like super, super wealthy families. And um, 
something goes really, really wrong. And that triggers like this domino effect of everything else that has happened in this woman's life because it starts off when she's in high school and then fast forwards a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, what happens that night impacts everything for her for the rest of everything. And you see how everything is all interconnected and there's this super hot anti-hero type dude. And then you have the fact they've known each other their whole lives. So it's kind of a childhood love story, but not what you're thinking. And then you've got feuding families and secret societies get involved. Tons of trigger warnings for a couple of things. And those are clearly listed, like even in the Mm -hmm. Amazon blurb, the author has a note of please, please check out the trigger warnings. But really good, super fast paced, super twisty. You should absolutely read it. And then we need to talk about it. And now I need a radio announcer voice to do that whole, and now for something completely different. Don texted me when I sent her the notes, you guys. And she's like, are you actually recommending a cookbook? (laughs) But you guys, I love cookbooks. I I did a full head tilt whenever (laughs) I was reading the notes. Some of you, you, you people who are listening out there cook, right? Like I'm not the only one who loves a cookbook. So I'm giving this one as my rad rec because I do collect cookbooks. I have hundreds of them. Um, and I got a new one this week that I'm really excited about because I wanted to cook everything in it. And I have cooked a couple of things so far and they've all been really good. So this is called Simply Easy Everyday Dishes by Sabrina Gayor, G-H-A-Y-O-U-R. It's a Middle Eastern inspired cookbook, but it focuses on simple meals. Cause sometimes when you get um, international cuisine books, a lot of times it's like lots of different ingredients that you might have to go to specialty stores for. And there was a minimum um, of that here. Like, and there were substitutions you could make if you didn't have something. Um, but everything's just a few ingredients, just a few steps. And it's got gorgeous photos, which is important to me because cookbook manufacturers out there, I don't want a cookbook that doesn't have pictures. I need to know what it's supposed to look like when it's done. Otherwise, I don't know if I did it right. So um, I've already made a cauliflower soup recipe from it. And then Zatar spiced oven fries. Dawn's going to give me blank face on all of these things with my weird well, I'm going eating. back to when you said, well, sometimes when you get international cookbooks, I'm like, <laughs> I have never in my life bought an international cookbook, but, but that's okay. You're, you're you and you do this. And anyway, my rad wreck, yes, is a cookbook. <laughs> I'm totally putting a poll up on our social media. Do you own an international cookbook? <laughs> and when I mean international, I don't mean you have to have gotten it from a different country. I mean, an international cuisine is featured in yes. the cookbook. So it's not written in a different language or anything. <laughs> you know, like I'm not translating it. Um, but yes, so that is simply um, by Sabrina Gayor. So that is it for this week. Thanks for listening to our long list of recommendations. And thanks to Dawn for bringing so many today. So I could, uh, she did all the heavy lifting on this one. And next week, we're really excited. We are going to do um, reading on a budget. So we know, especially right now, everybody, it's times are tough. And sometimes you want, well, let's, let's be honest, not sometimes, all the time you want more books than you actually can afford. Absolutely, yes. Um, so no matter how much money you have, eventually, like there's always more books to buy. Um, so we're going to talk about different ways that you can make sure you're still reading what you want to read, but doing it in a way that is responsible um, for your budget. So 
if you have any comments on this episode or you want to give us recommendations, we had a lovely reader email me um, this week and give us a recommendation. She recommended A for aunties, or is that what it was called? Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So, you know, if you have a recommendation and you want to share it with us, it might make it onto the podcast or you might get us reading something. So feel free to reach out to us on social media, which is where Dawn. We have our Facebook page, which is at Rad Reading Podcast. And we have Instagram, which is at Rad Reading Podcast. And then I am on basically all social media as Don Alexander Books. And I'm on all social media as Ronnie Lauren, L-O-R-E-N. Um, and yes, you'll hear me pronounce it both different ways. So I realize when I listen back to the podcast, sometimes I say Loren and sometimes I say Lauren. Originally, it was meant to be Loren. That's how I, because I thought it sounded good with my first name, because my last name is my pen name. My first name is my real uh, first name. But everybody else comes to me and says Lauren. So I've just embraced it. <laughs> and sometimes yes. I say it that way too. So, but technically it was going to be Ronnie Loren. It sounds fancy, like Sophia Loren, right? Yes. Very, very fancy. Yeah, uh-huh. But all right, you guys, thanks for joining us. Um, let us know if you have any series starters that you want us to read. And we hope that every book you pick up um, until we see you next time is rad reading. Thanks you guys. Bye. Bye.